Welcome to the latest installment of the Sharp Best Ball Show. I am your host, Todd Burrows. You can find me on Twitter at BestBallNFL. And I am joined today by the CEO of Fantasy Points, Scott Barrett. You can find him on Twitter at Scott Barrett DFB. Scott is one of the guys I really look to for unique opportunities and is the king of what he calls dank stats. Uh, so I'm looking forward to chatting with Scott, helping to break down some of his recent work and how it affects how we should be looking to draft our fantasy teams, especially on underdog fantasy. And speaking of underdog fantasy, the show is brought to you by Underdog and the biggest fantasy football tournament of all time, Best Ball Mania 4. Don't know what Best Ball is? It's simple. You just enter Best Ball Mania on Underdog Slick mobile app, Draft your team, and that's it. Yep, it's set it and forget it as Underdog optimizes your lineup weekly to create the highest scoring one. It's here, it's Best Ball Mania 4, and it's your shot at a first place prize of $3 million. Get signed up on underdogfantasy.com or via the App Store with the, and use the promo SHARPKIT, and they'll not only double your first deposit up to $100, but you will also receive the Sharp Football Draft Kit for just $1. That includes over 40 exclusive fantasy football articles, which will help your chances at winning the $3 million grand prize. That's Underdog Fantasy promo code SHARPKIT. So let's bring in Scott and dig deep to try and help you to win the big prizes on Best Ball Mania 4. Scott, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. So I didn't notice, uh, but producer Adam did, that you have uh, a bit of a bump in your uh, status. You are now the CEO of Fantasy Points. Tell us um, a little bit about that and how it's going to change your life. Uh, yeah, so if, I guess I was calling myself the director of Dang Stats up until a couple of weeks ago, just got promoted to uh, CEO. So if you're using the site, you have any comments, criticisms, questions, whatever, uh, yeah, I can be your your point of contact for that. We've really made a, a number of moves trying to upgrade the site. <clears throat> I, I hired Trey Camberling, who was the director of content for the Utah Jazz. He's now our director of social media and video. So you might have noticed we kind of stepped our social media game up a bit, our YouTube game up a bit. Uh, we never did anything with uh, SEO up until a couple of months ago. So we're doing stuff like that uh, and uh, hired some some great new writers. Ryan Heath, I think, is a shoe-in to win Fantasy Newcomer of the Year Award, maybe even Fantasy Writer of the Year Award. He's, he's doing great stuff for us. So yeah, I've been uh, behind the scenes a little bit more, but uh, all the, the content uh, you expect from me is still going to come out. Uh, My Guys, uh, Anatomy of a League Winner, uh, Bell Cow Report, uh, all that stuff uh, should be dropping next week and uh, later this month. Well, um, again, congratulations on the upgrade. Uh, obviously well-deserved. You certainly have put in your time. And um, I'm really looking forward to seeing what you do at the site because um, if there's one thing I know is that you are highly motivated to do things the right way. Well, well thank you. I just realized I, I buried the lead. I can give you, we haven't announced this yet, so I can give you guys the exclusive. Excellent. Uh, Fantasy Points data is going live July 17th. 
this is a product that I think is only comparable to like what other, you know, fantasy companies are spending 15K or more on. We're putting this out to everyone for just $50 a subscription. Uh, July 17th, we're going to do the hard launch on that. But here's a secret. You can go ahead and, and purchase it and, and play around with it today. Uh, just do me a favor, Todd, and and, and don't, don't uh, put this out on social until... Uh, until July 17th. But yeah, for your, your listeners, you can go ahead and check that out. Really think it's going to revolutionize the game. That That's awesome. I'm excited. Um, I have a follow-up question. So if I understand you correctly, you've got this new product. Um, I, I hate to compare it to something else, but one comes to mind. Um, is this kind of like a PFF thing where uh, you analyze each play? Um, just give me a little bit more of, of, uh, what people uh, can expect when they go over there. Yeah, th- uh, I would say it's it's somewhat similar to the product you just referenced, except way more expansive. You can do so many more things with this tool, offers more stats, but then also you can just customize it to a degree that you can't anywhere else. Uh, if you want to know what Deshaun Watson's passer rating was, Uh, On the third down in the fourth quarter of Dome games when the team was favored uh, and he was facing... uh, While he was getting a massage. While, (laughs) I was going to say, while he was getting blitzed and was under... (laughs) So you could could just do just about anything with this tool that it just doesn't exist anywhere else. So this is all I use for my own research. And uh, I don't know why you'd go anywhere else for that. Well, I think you've sold at least one person on it, and that would be me. So um, I think you can expect my money to come through um, in the in the pretty near future. And I am excited about it because I I've done pretty good at best ball the last couple of years. But I I you know numbers you know I have to really work at that kind of stuff. I need a guy like you to explain it to me. Um, so I'm, I'm looking forward to checking that out and some of the content I'm sure that will follow along with it, where you explain how to use it. Correct. Uh, that's right. I, I'm next week and the week after I make a, I have to make a ton of tutorial videos. We're going to do a bunch of articles to highlighting various stats and talking about, uh, why they're important, how the impact fantasy, how to use them, uh, and different things like that. Um, so again, yeah, thanks for thanks for saying uh, you you'd uh, subscribe. I, I appreciate that. And we're gonna have more tools to add to, like the one we're working on right now to get it ready for week one is a coverage shells matchup tool, which is like one of the secret gems of DFS. Like no one else looks at this because it's so hard to find or sort through the data. Uh, we're gonna have something super easy for the user, and like that's just been a DFS cheat code for for me for a few years. So happy to get that out and. We're, we're just going to keep adding to it uh, over the next few months and even during the season. Awesome. I I, I am very excited. This is very good news um, for me, for everyone. Uh, definitely go check that out. I, I also see John D in the chat. He said he's a three-year reader of the football guide. So it's always good to have um, people like him. And John loves the Patriots and the Seahawks as his uh, – sleeper super bowl pick so wow. uh john thank you very much for joining and uh i am very interested what happens with the the seahawk offense um let's let's get uh going on some of the questions scott i know you were a big mfl 10 guy back in the day what sites and contests do you like playing in best ball these days 
Uh, right now I've only done underdog. I, I do a weekly show on Wednesdays with Chris Wecht where we draft a team. And so just those, those co-owned teams are the only ones uh, I have right now, but I do expect to go, hopefully if I have the time uh, pretty crazy in August, that's typically when your ROI is, is, is at its best when the fish come out to play. And so the competition's a little bit softer, but yeah, I, I used to be like a 100 to 200 team guy on MFL tens. That's just, if you're looking for easy money, <laughs> That to me is like a broken game. It's just so easy to return a profit on that. Uh, do, do you know Aaron H, Todd? Yeah. I mean, back in the, the day, legend when I, of? I was doing two, three hundred, he was doing a thousand. Right. So I, so I'm friends with Aaron H. He is like the legend of all legends when it comes to uh, best ball, where he, every single year, he, returns like a 50% win rate without fail. And that, like, that's just so insane. But that, that is what like, typical uh, best ball leagues are to me like it's so easy with the tournaments yeah your expected value your roi is a little bit less but like it is more fun for me to play on that just because it's like sexy yeah the chance at a million dollars really intrigues me but yeah if you're just looking for easy profits highly recommend mfl 10s or you know the the non-tournament underdog leagues yeah I, I don't disagree with that. I uh, That's why I play a lot on the FFPC where it's 125 entry, but the top two are guaranteed 300. And, you know, I've that's where I've had most of my success, where most of my money goes. But I, 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 I'll probably, I had 800 underdog teams last year. I'm already looking at about 250. So, um, mm-hmm. you know, uh, best ball is life. Um, <laughs> And of course, I forgot to silence my phone. Um, I will um, spank myself afterwards. Um, you talk about hero running back as your favorite way to draft best ball. Um, can you explain why? And also, how much do you tend to vary it and mix your exposure with other other styles? Oh, yeah. I mean, like, I don't know that that's what I'm doing the most of uh, in my own drafts this year. It's just a... Uh... I kind of just like threw that that tweet together haphazardly, uh, but I did put out an article last year. It was like I don't know thirteen thousand words. It was Scott Barrett's underdog fantasy draft guide and primer. Because of the CEO stuff, I haven't had a chance to, yeah, to update I read, it. Did that? It was great work. Th- thank you. Yeah. So just when I looked at it last year, it's like Hero RB was like far and away the optimal strategy, just in terms of like expected win rate or whatever. Uh, maybe that's changed. I, I don't know, but I, I do think in a vacuum like that, like how I constructed that, uh, tweet, it was sort of like in an ESPN 10 team league where you only start two wide receivers plus a flex, like RB RB is optimal in a vacuum. Like if looking at best ball over the last 10 years or underdog over the last three years, hero RB is optimal in a vacuum and dynasty to me, zero RB is optimal in a vacuum. If you're going to, if you're willing to punt the first two years and it's just a, a function of, uh, running backs being less important and less valuable, except for the highest end running backs. And it's like, um, I, I forget what I used in the, the article from last year, but it was something like you take the RB three, but guess what? The RB 18 and the RB 20 
combined in best ball to absolutely match this guy. And it's like, so, so part of the value in running backs in a season log league is you want the high end guys who are super consistent. You, you start them every single week. There's no guessing, but in best ball, you can get away with, okay, you, you get the scat back and it's a trailing, trailing negative game script. Uh, so they have a spike week uh, or, you know, the team's massively favored. And so this early down workhorse gets a lot of carries, scores the touchdowns, and he has the spike week, but you, you don't get hurt by their duds. You don't have to guess the right weeks to start them. And so because of that, you can get away with more of a quantity over quality approach in best ball. Yeah. I mean, to me, every year I'm looking at the board, the way it changes. I take the information from the year before. And basically what I'm always trying to do is avoid value pits. You know, we've, we've heard about uh, the dead zone for running backs. I think there's a dead zone for wide receiver this year. Ultimately, what we're trying to do is put the most value on our team as possible um, through, you know, uh, ADP, I always say, is very functional within a player group. But every year, the positions move around based on not always things that are as tangible. So I agree with you. Uh, last year was definitely a heavy hero running back year for me. Um, you had another pin tweet that you had some very interesting findings on the value of players positionally. Can you explain your thoughts and finding on, on this? Um, I, I think uh, this was really, it's basically quarterback 10 to quarterback 18, running back 20 to running back 30, wide receiver 50 to 600, and tight end 7 to 16. Um, can you explain this a little bit more, the, the first one that's up on the left? I, yeah, so in that tweet, I linked to uh, an article from a few years ago, Upside Wins Championships. Uh, that's my proudest piece. I don't know if it's like my best piece, but it's it's something that I, I, I thought about for a number of years and like something just clicked in my brain and I just kind of vomited up this article. And I really think it's like one of my best works, but it's basically just the right way to think about fantasy football. And that's that upside is everything. A player's bull case projection matters so much more than his base case projection matters. Uh, and then his, his bear case projection doesn't even matter at all. And the way people draft is they kind of look at the base case where it's like uh, factoring in risk versus reward. But but I'm saying reward matters so much more than risk. And, and so in that specific article, I talk about um, how we always have the safety net of the waiver wire to fall back on and also the importance of power law players. Fantasy football is a game dominated by power law players. Truthfully, in any given season, there's only like four to nine players who I think actually matter. In 2019, if you had Lamar Jackson and Christian McCaffrey, you were basically 90% odds to win your championship with just those two players. If you had... Uh, a team that had the QB3, RB7, RB10, wide receiver 10, wide receiver 12, tight end three uh, was losing ground on a team that had Christian McCaffrey and a bunch of random waiver ads. It's like <clears throat> the highest end players can just break fantasy. And so that's how you should be drafting. You should be drafting with an eye 
towards who can potentially wreck the game. If you're in, if I'm in round seven and I'm drafting a tight end, I'm not dra- drafting them based on their odds of beating ADP. It's basically just I'm drafting them on their potential to be a power law player, their potential to finish top three in fantasy points per game. Best ball is a completely different story. This is not related to best ball where you do win by collecting a number of ADP betters, where uh, you don't have the safety net of the waiver wire to fall back on. So you do want to be more cautious, more risk averse. But yes, in in start sit leagues, this is how you play the game. And just with regard to that tweet, it was saying there's no difference fundamentally, basically between the QB 10, the QB 18, the RB 20 and the RB 30, the wide receiver 50 wide receiver 600. That's because like a low end RB two is basically worthless. It just doesn't matter. Um, the QB 10 base gives you like one fantasy point per game over the QB 20, who is someone you can just add off of waivers. It's irrelevant. Um, and then wide receiver 50 is someone who's going to be on waivers, which means he's the same thing as wide receiver 600. Who's also on, <clears throat> on waivers. But uh, I kind of just uh, would recommend just reading that piece. All right. So if I understand you correctly, at a certain point, fantasy players are almost the same at each position. You've identified where that cutoff is on each position. Um, And even though it might not be a best ball thing, confirm that I understand that correctly. And how has it changed the way that you play fantasy football? Uh, yeah, I, I, again, there in any given season, I think there's only like six to nine players who actually matter for fantasy and people are drafting running backs like, oh, you know, he's ADP RB 36, but I think he can finish as RB 21. And it's like James White from a few years ago. It's like, who gives a shit that doesn't move the needle? It doesn't matter at all. It doesn't fact it gives you an extra like 1.2 fan like that's not what decides fantasy fates it's power law players and so what it changed for me is like I, if a guy is low upside i don't care about him and every single pick i make especially after the first five or so rounds uh the only thing that factors into the equation for me is what is this guy's upside does he have top three at the position upside can he be uh a, 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 a game wrecking talent you know and again I- best ball is a different story yeah, it, it is, but now there's this new game called Weekly Winners where basically all the money is weekly and really you need a top 100 finish out of 261,000 entries to really move the needle financially. And what you just mentioned, I think, applies 100%, and that's how I'm drafting uh, Weekly Winners. Not only am I mixing up... Um, all the things you think you know about, uh, I, I wrote an article where I said, take what you think you know about best ball, throw it in the fire and burn it because roster construction doesn't matter. Uh, exposure doesn't matter. All that matters is kind of picking who you're it, basically what I'm saying is those same nine guys that you're talking about, identify who you think they are and build what you would think would be the perfect lineup for a week when that guy hits his 40-point week. Um, so I, I think that does relate to the new weekly winners format. Have you had a chance to take a look at that at all? 
No, I, I I can't really speak to it. But my first impression was obviously stacking is massively important. And then also uh, I, I kind of like the idea of uh, paying up for premium players at the onesie <laughs> position and then kind of not drafting maybe even any uh, players beyond that and then just going all in on running backs and wide receivers for mega spike weeks. But I, again, I, I haven't thought deeply enough or, or really looked in the data, but it, it seems like a really interesting and exciting format for sure. It, it is. And you hit on a couple of the things that I came up with. Um, if I'm drafting two quarterbacks on a team, they're both like 14th round and later, uh, and they're paired with, um, you know, like one draft I took Kirk Cousins and in the 18th round, I took uh, Ryan Tannehill because I had Traylon Burks and, you know, I could see Traylon Burks going for a 40 point week. And when you look at everyone else who was available in the 18th round, I felt that was the best move. Um, a couple drafts, uh, I will uh, hit a couple tight ends. Uh, but again, I'm looking, you know, if I'm taking a second tight end, it's a guy like Jelani Woods you know, someone who I think has that kind of explosive upside. So for a guy who hasn't studied it, you pretty much hit on a lot of the key things that I hit on in ways I'm attacking this uh, tournament. So um, I do want to follow up um, on uh, something else a little more, uh, but I do want to talk about Warren Sharp's 2023 preview book because it's now available for download. It's over 500 pages of the most unique and in-depth analysis to get you ready for the NFL season. In addition to Warren's unparalleled write-ups, the book features analysis from Rich Rebar, rookie analysis from Ryan McChrystal, and much more, including incredibly detailed breakdown of all 32 team tendencies and a deep dive into the 2023 NFL schedule of all teams. You can go to sharpfootballanalysis.com to get your copy. You won't regret it. Sharp Best Ball Show, that Warren Sharp's PDF book is now released. All right. Yeah, let me uh, let me just help you plug that. That's that's a that's a, a great piece of content. I, I read it every single year. Sharp does an amazing job. Rich Rebar might be my single favorite fantasy analyst. Uh, definitely go ahead and purchase that if you haven't already. It's great stuff. If I could ask then, like, what is the favorite thing that Warren goes in depth on that you find helpful for your own journey? Uh, I would say everything, you know, it just, it just has everything. And every year there's like at least three things sharp convinces me like, okay, yeah, I want to bet this. That's, that's a great call. Awesome. I appreciate that. Uh, let's get back to your work. You also posted a really good chart on positional hit rates, which Adam had up a second ago, and I'm sure we'll get up again. Um, can you go into your findings here? Um, because I, I think I might mention the, when it comes to reading charts, I'm, I'm not um, the sharpest tool in the shed. Yeah, I, some of my tweets are better than others. This is really just background. I, I I just finished anatomy of a league winner, which is 12,000 words. And so I try and conserve word count as much as possible. And so I had like a throwaway line that was like, uh, it's really hard to predict defense finishes uh, preseason. And so, yeah, they had a 20% hit rate, top five defenses finishing 
top five. And the other throwaway line was just uh, that uh, uh, we're really good at predicting uh, or ADP is really good at the tight end position, even after the oligarch top three tight ends, like the post Kelsey tight ends. And so, yeah, this, this wasn't really a chart that, that matters too much to me. It was just kind of, I needed data to support a, a throwaway line. Oh, okay. <laughs> I thought, I thought there was something deeper in there and uh, um, I, I was wrong. So um, you did an article on touchdown regression, both positive and negative. What are some of the key opportunities and red flags for this season with TD regression? Yeah, so this is like an important article that every site does um, just because touchdowns are so important. You know, they're worth like 60 yards or six catches. And, uh, and you know, so that's that's super valuable. But they're, they're uh, also rare events. They're mostly random. They're hard to predict. They're not sticky. So uh, there is a lot of value in, in looking for touchdown regression candidates, players who are likely to be a lot worse or a lot better. Um, what I do is I, I take actual touchdowns and uh, I contrast it with expected touchdowns based on uh, how many touchdowns a player should have scored based on the volume they're getting. So a high number of deep targets near end zone targets uh, means they're, they should have scored a higher number of touchdowns. That's actually more predictive of touchdowns than touchdowns. XTD is expected touchdowns. Yeah. And so I wrote this article and I talked about, uh, a few guys, no one really, um, on the, on the negative side really bothered me too much. Like, okay, Pollard's going to regress in touchdown efficiency, but I also like him a lot for fantasy this year. Cause I think I'll see more volume. Uh, George Kittle was definitely one who I'm not in on, who's going to regress in the touchdown department. Uh, Christian Watson surprisingly, uh, is not due for a massive regression. Uh, people saw that he had that four-week stretch where he scored like nine touchdowns on 12 touches. Obviously, that's not sustainable. But what they're missing is that he ranked top three in deep target rate, uh, top three in percentage of targets coming inside the 10-yard line. So his opportunity was actually great to such a degree that I, I'm not expecting a big regression. And really just the main takeaway for me on Christian Watson was just how good he was by yards per route run, by touchdown adjusted yards per route run, uh, by raw production. Um, and this was a prospect I really loved coming out. So I view him as a, a special talent. I'm not expecting a regression. I'm expecting a sophomore year breakout. Uh, definitely the player who's due for a positive regression who stood out most to me is Deontay Johnson. Uh, he scored zero touchdowns on 147 targets, the first wide receiver ever uh, with at least 110 targets and no touchdowns. Um, that's definitely going to regress to the mean. If he was perfectly average in touchdown luck, and this isn't touchdown efficiency, it's touchdown luck. We know that based on our, our robust sample size. Um, he would have finished as the wide receiver 32 instead of the wide receiver 50. And just from a overarching, you know, do I draft this player or not? Uh, I would say you do at his depressed ADP because this is a player who uh, last year finished 14th in targets per game over the two seasons prior in healthy games. He averaged 10.8. It was the most of any wide receiver. And why, why does a player like Deontay Johnson get so many targets? It's not really what he does after the catch. It's because he's legitimately elite at getting open. He's led the league in ESPN's open rate last year, has ranked top four every year since he entered the league. And when you're getting open, you're getting targets. 
targets, massively predictive of fantasy points. So I view that mostly as just an outlier season. And I think uh, Deontay is going to finish as a high end wide receiver too this year. Yeah. Uh, George Kittle's the guy who, again, looking at that weekly winners, um, that's a guy I'm more interested in that because he's historically had these big spike weeks when he's the tight end you need that week. Um, Eli Mitchell has a question. Any thoughts on Metcalf in DK best ball drafts? I've been taking him in the 26 to 34 range, and I, I'm going to make it a bigger question um, because most analysts are really high on Tyler Lockett. He's he's outperformed. I, I know he's the guy I've been drafting. Right now, They uh, Metcalf is coming off in the third round, JSN in the fifth or sixth, and uh, Lockett in the sixth or seventh. Um, uh, you could answer Eli's uh, question and also kind of uh, give your thoughts overall on that offense and those three wide receivers. Yeah, I'm not really buying DK Metcalf. I, yeah, I think he is the most talented wide receiver on the team. I think he leads the team in targets this year, but it's just an expensive price to play for a player who was outscored by Tyler Lockett in back-to-back seasons. And then you add this, I think, uh, one of the most talented wide receivers to come out in a really long time, minus Jamar Chase. Um, I, I view JSN as basically like drafting him in dynasty today is like drafting Keenan Allen in his rookie season. Uh, so yeah, you add him to the mix. There's more target competition. Uh, and so I, I don't see that as particularly good news to Metcalf as, as for regard to the uh, offense as a whole. Yeah. It's tricky to get excited about any one name because you have three really talented guys competing against each other for targets. Uh, I would like to draft JSN, but Pete Carroll has said uh, he does not plan to uh, decrease uh, how often he's he's running 12 personnel uh, or he's not going to have more three wide receivers on the field. He drafted JSN to improve efficiency in three wide receiver sets. And, you know, maybe he's lying or maybe he, uh, he'll see how good JSN is and he'll change his mind. But just hearing that, uh, there's too much risk with JSN just because Seattle did run 12 at one of the highest rates in the league last year. And like, you need to be on the field to score fantasy points. Yeah, I agree with all those sentiments. Um, in the third round of DK drafts, um, I, Lamar Jackson is interesting to me. I've been taking a lot of Mark Andrews. You got to consider when you're drafting on DraftKings that three-point bonus and you want guys who can consistently get it for you. I think elite tight ends are very important there. Um, I take shots on Brees Hall there. Uh, Metcalf is a very low-owned guy for me. Um, uh, you have anything on that, Scott? No. All right. So um, any other names um, uh, that you want to throw out as far as uh, – because Deontay is – you know, he's the obvious one. Is there anyone a little under the radar that you're looking at for positive regression? Well, Metcalf was one of them. I did, I did argue in his, his favor. Um, if Metcalf and cause they were both Lockett was, is due for a massive negative regression. Metcalf is due for a massive positive regression in the touchdown department. Um, and so uh, if you factor that in, Metcalf would have finished as the wide receiver 15. Lockett would have moved down to wide receiver 21. Uh, Metcalf's volume is also a lot better than his production. He ranked 11th in XFP per game. Lockett was 
wide receiver 29. Uh, the issue is all this is priced in, but um, yeah, he was one of them. Uh, Travis Etienne was another, but I, I worry too much about Tank Bigsby. Sutton was another, but I, I worry too much about, you know, I don't know. He just hasn't gotten it done for a number of years. He's been wildly disappointing. Uh, really the beta to Judy's alpha whenever uh, Judy has been healthy. Uh, at the end of the article, I talk about some other forms of regression, uh, fantasy points <laughs> lost due to drops. Jamar Chase has lost like 75 fantasy points due to at a bare minimum, 75 fantasy points due to drops over the last two seasons. That's due to regress. Um, Mike Evans, uh, the most DPI'd wide receiver in football last year, uh, ran bad with uh, penalty luck. Uh, he's due for a positive regression. So, yeah, that's that's about the uh, the TLDR of it. If you, but you can check that article out. Yeah, and I won't ever forget the week I decided to go very heavy on Mike Evans last year, and like Tom Brady dropped the ball right in his hands. It was the easiest touchdown he would ever score, and he dropped it. And then, of course, um, the week that I didn't have Mike Evans is the week that he went absolutely haywire. Um, thank you for the question, Eli. Keep in mind that you know these are all opinions, and that ultimately I go with what I think is best. Scott, we talked about Kittle, but I find all the 49ers weapons to be a, a bit pricey. Uh, but Brock Purdy, because of the injury, is very cheap. Um, so, you know, how do you kind of reconcile a, a situation like that where all the weapons are priced up, but the quarterback is so cheap? Yeah, I mean, Brock Purdy is my highest owned quarterback this year in best ball leagues. He's basically free as your QB3. Or I, I honestly feel good about him as my QB2 and then just not drafting a QB3. Massively high floor. Uh, I think underrated ceiling. Uh, by fantasy points per start last year, he finished as the QB8 or the QB9. He led all quarterbacks in fantasy points per drop back. Uh, Adam Schefter's now saying, Ian Rappaport has been saying for months that there is no way he's not the starter as soon as he's healthy. He has an elite supporting cast, a brilliant offensive play caller. Uh, I think he's a great pick. Uh, I also like <clears throat> Brandon Ayuk. Uh, you really saw uh, last year uh, Ayuk kind of out alpha Debo uh, by first read target share. Uh, Debo was well ahead of Ayuk and then in the second half, Ayuk eclipsed him and kept gaining ground. And really, like, I'm not a film guy, but I'm lucky, especially back from my PFF days, like, I'm friends with a lot of the best film experts in the game. And no one I hold in higher esteem than Brett Whitefield, who runs our charting department, where we get our data for, for fantasy points data. He's made me look like a genius so many times with, with takes like this. And he was telling me a, f uh, a few weeks ago, he was saying, Brandon Ayuk is going to finish as a top 10 wide receiver for fantasy. Ask me how I know. I'm like, how do you know? He's like, because he's already a top five wide receiver in the NFL. He's getting open at will. He's a freak after the catch. He's going to break leagues this year. And so, Hey, that's all I needed to hear from like a person I trust more than anyone else. So I'm, I've just started loading up on some Ayuk shares in best ball. Yeah. I was drafting him a, a back a round or two ago when he was like a round, round and a half, two rounds back, I thought he was a no-brainer pick. 
And I was, you know, this is before we had heard a lot of the good news on Purdy. So I didn't feel tied to Purdy. Um, and now he's gotten um, pricier. But hearing that, um, he, he is one of those guys. And I'll throw out one other thought. And it's something that I mention a lot because I've had to learn it the hard way. Injuries happen, and you look at crowded situations, whether it be Seattle's wide receivers, whether it be uh, San Francisco's, don't get so caught up in there's too many guys for the ADP to not get yourself some ownership on these guys because if one guy goes down, and if there's three of them, there's a decent chance one of them will, and then um, – and then, you know, you miss out completely on a guy who could, as Scott just said, break fantasy football. I think you also mentioned, and the same thought goes for Christian McCaffrey, you've got a lot of opportunity cost at taking Christian McCaffrey where he's going. Um, when, when Elijah Mitchell was playing, he was getting a lot of carries, um, but, you know, Elijah Mitchell was also hurt. So what, what are, you know, last thing on the 49ers, what's your thought on how to play that? Yeah, I, I don't really know. I, McCaffrey's not my RB1. That would be Austin Eckler. Uh, yeah, I tweeted out a stat how, you know, McCaffrey's volume was more than cut in half. His production uh, dropped from 26.3 fantasy points per game to 16.7 with without Elijah Mitchell. The issue with that, though, is we're working, working with a, a small sample size. Like week 12 was like a weird 13 to nothing blowout where the offense only had nine drives. Week 18, McCaffrey had an ankle sprain. He was pulled after two quarters and one <laughs> drive. Week 20, he was playing through calf discomfort. And then the, the other three games, he was somewhere between 17.5 and 21.6 fantasy points. So um, I don't think the, the splits are going to be that stark, but uh, it is a valid argument. And it is a reason why I have Eckler ahead of him. Yeah. I I've had, uh, I'm about 3% on McCaffrey um, and I'll probably finish in the three to 5% range. Um and I and I take a good bit of Elijah Mitchell because if if you know we've seen McCaffrey get hurt a lot over the last couple of years, and it's these nagging kind of injuries that do kind of um, end up being uh, re repeat injuries, soft tissue injuries. So um, I, I like Elijah Mitchell. Uh, you retweeted a very interesting article from late round QB. J.J. Zacharyan on mid-round running backs breaking out the following year. What did J.J. find, and what is your key takeaway in the form of names that are on your radar this year? Yeah, he was saying if you look at running backs in the middle to late rounds by carry share, uh, the players with a lower carry share were likelier to break out. And I think Adam Harstead summed this up nicely, which was, yeah, you want to draft players you think might not suck rather than players, you know, suck. Um, That's funny. And JJ was really just trying to like embrace uncertainty, which is true. Uh, but who would that relate to? I think would relate to Rashad white who everyone's like, Oh, well he sucked last year. Like, yeah, but like, so did Leonard Fournette. Uh, Oh, the team's going to suck. And it's like, yeah, but also like, there's no competition for touches. This is a potentially tanking team with nothing to lose. Um, 
Sure, they're going to be a negative game script, but Rashad White's a high-end pass catcher. Targets, as we know from weighted opportunity, is worth uh, is, is uh, 2.5 times more valuable than carries. Uh, so I, I could see him walking into a bell cow workload. I, I don't think we know for sure he stinks. And he, even if he does, like the volume could be more than enough for, for him to be even a league winner at his ADP. So um, that's, I guess, what would stand out to Especially me. Especially on full PPR sites because he got a lot of targets and Fournette got a lot of targets. All right, let's uh, we'll, we'll move on. Um, you talked about your biggest pet peeve is when a fantasy analyst measures a running back volume by touches rather than by weighted opportunity. Can you explain to everyone why? Uh, yeah, so uh, in a PPR league for running backs, a target is worth 2.53 times as much as a carry. Outside of the red zone, it's worth three times as much. So it just doesn't make sense talking about a running back's opportunity and measuring it by touches. You inflate the early down workhorses who don't see targets, which is foolish because targets are just so much more valuable. So this is really just uh, uh, an open letter to fantasy analysts everywhere. Just 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 use weighted opportunity. Um, you just multiply targets by 1.57 and carries by 0.62. And there you go. Uh, use that as a proxy for expected fantasy points, but <clears throat> just use expected fantasy points. We have that on our site. That's like the, the goat stat. This is just like a cheap and easy way uh, for, for anyone to use it if you don't have access to play-by-play -play data. That's awesome. All right. I like that one a good bit as well. A guy I was really overweight on last year and was fading some early, but whose ADP has dropped is Rashad Penny. I've come around a lot after the recent drop and have been drafting him like crazy in that weekly winners that I was telling you about. Um, you put up a really interesting tweet about Rashad Penny. Um, why don't you go into that a little bit? And also, um, are you on Rashad Penny this year? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think you pulled up the wrong tweet. I'm not a tweet thread guy. You know, I, everyone hates Twitter threads, but I made one and only oh, one Twitter thread all year, and that was uh, that I think Rashad Penny is a great pick at ADP. Um, he Well, it did show that he had more yards on games that he played than anyone else, so it, it, it is relevant. No, no, of course, of course. I just meant like I did a, a Twitter thread of like oh. 13 crazy stats on why he's awesome. But yeah, the long and short of it is just this is a guy who give is me elite. like two or three uh, crazy ones. Um, he's only seen 12 or more carries in 10 career games, but in those games, he averages 21.2 fantasy points per game. Uh, Derek Henry for the same stat, 19.5. Uh, he averages 18.8 over his last eight full games, 7.1 yards per carry over that stretch. Um, I think he, by all time yards per carry, he ranks second best uh, in between Bo Jackson and Marion Motley. Um, and yeah. Marion Motley of the Browns? Oh, I don't in the know. He's before my my grandfather's time, he, I think. He was, he was uh, I'm, I'm an old time sports guy. He was about 240 pounds back in the days yep. when linemen yep. were like 215 pounds. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. You nailed it. Uh, Cleveland and uh, listed at 232 on pro football reference. Yeah. Um, he was, uh, they had, uh, um, 
well, Paul Brown, they they were in the fifties. They were in the in the well, there wasn't a Super Bowl. The NFL championship game, like six to seven years. Uh, uh, Otto Graham and anyway, go ahead. I'm sorry. No, Show no, that's okay. Just yeah, sure. the the thesis is Rashad Penny has been a beast whenever he stayed healthy. Uh, ideal landing spot. Uh, he's he's game script sensitive because he doesn't see targets. Uh, but the Eagles were favored in every single game last year. It's an elite offensive line, probably the best offensive line in football. And uh, where, where's the competition? To me, I see DeAndre Swift and Kenneth Gainwell as being sort of redundant for the scat back plus Gainwell role. But there isn't really a clear fit for the Miles Sanders role outside of Rashad Penny. And so yeah, I'm the upside guy, right? So I, I just see massive upside. Uh, and yeah, I, I love it. I, here's what I think is going to happen. I, he's going he's gonna to get 14 carries and run for 186 yards in week one. I'm going to be a jackass on Twitter, victory lapping it. And then the next week he's going to spontaneously, spontaneously combust walking out of the tunnel. And then everyone's going to tell me I'm an idiot for, for drafting an injury prone player. But, but yeah, that's, that's what basically I'm doing. what happened to me last year. He Hell had yeah. that huge week and I was like, you know, I really believed in the guy on Twitter and then he got hurt again. The one thing that I found and, and you, you know, look, is there such a thing as being injury prone? Maybe. But what I've I've settled it into my head that if it's soft tissue stuff, stuff that is constant, you know, that stuff I find to be repeatable. Penny's had major injuries. You know, we've seen a lot of guys early in their career have three or four years where a major injury knocked them out, and then they go seven, eight years without an injury. So that's one thought on uh, I wanted to share. And then I also wanted to go back to what you said about being redundant. I think the exact same thing. Swift and Gainwell really are fighting for the same workload, and Penny's the guy who isn't. And that was the thought that kind of got me back into, you know, got me through the hump of, of you know, the hurt that you feel when you – have 25% of a guy and he goes down. I don't know if I had a question in there, but thoughts. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I I struggle with the injury stuff. Uh, I do think probably an injury is more likely than not. I, I, especially with the running back position, you know, the, the, the shelf life is so short. And with players at any position, once you start racking up injuries, I think the likelihood of more injuries increases. Uh, I don't know. I'm not a doctor, but something about metabolic rate or mitochondrial dysfunction. I don't know. Something like that. If <laughs> I, I like science podcast that I, that's I like thing. the uh, spontaneously combust line. I've used that before in the past and that was hilarious. Last question. You know, I'm a big volume guy in FFP best ball. I mentioned it earlier. You did an article recently on your favorite player by round. We don't have time. Oh, to I go didn't do that. All. That was a, uh, that was um, oh, I'm sorry, Nick, who who did it for Dynasty. I I did one on uh, uh, best values, but not by round. Okay, so who are some of your favorite best values by round? Well, I, I wrote this for, for the start sit leagues, so it's going to be a little different than best ball. If I did a best ball version, I'd have Brock Purdy in there, I'd have Aaron Rodgers in there, but but again, I didn't. Um, so in this, uh, Joe Mixon, RB 15, Keenan Allen, wide receiver, 19, Darren Waller, tight end seven, 
uh, James Connor, RB 27, Kadarius, Tony wide receiver, 33, Gabe Davis wide receiver, 43. Um, I like a lot of the cheap tight ends. I like Dulcich. I like Okonkwo. Um, and then I have some like late round flyers. Yeah. I, uh, I love those two tight ends. Dulcich is my most owned tight end. I'm pushing about 30% on him. Uh, late, I like, uh, you know, again, back to what you said about uh, upside. Isaiah Likely and Jelani Woods are my two guys. Scott, I really appreciated you coming on. Congrats again on the new role as CEO. And just once again, why don't you tell us a little bit about this new thing that's coming out and um, and where they can find it? Yeah, uh, fantasypoints.com. Check out our subscriptions, Fantasy Points Data. Again, I think it's we're selling it for 50 bucks, but I think it's like thousands of dollars worth it in value, especially if you're someone who's obsessed with data or you're uh, a serious better or you're a serious DFS player. Uh, it's sort of like a, a data playground where you can just live in there all day, uh, get yourself some nice blue light blocker glasses because uh, it's addicting and, and you could really come up with a bunch of awesome stuff with it. Uh, and again, I am the CEO. So if, if you have any feedback for us or criticisms or ideas, I'd be happy to hear it. We're, we're in beta technically. Um, and uh, again, we're going to be adding stuff to it every single week, every single month. So uh, it's going to keep growing. Uh, but yeah, please, please check it out. We'll do a free week, um, July 17th. That entire week will be free. So if you want to check it out, you could do that then, or you could pay for it. We'd, we'd appreciate that. <laughs> oh yeah for 50 bucks and and you know especially with it also rolling into dfs uh can you go into a little bit more you talked about dfs cheat code i'd like to hear a little bit more about what that means if you don't mind yeah so so right now i'm working on getting this tool at this next tool added this is probably like a month away but um for years something i always looked at uh and no other site has this you, you have to chart it yourself or PFF has it, but like PFF premium doesn't even have it. Um, so it's like some quarterbacks do significantly better against certain coverage shells as opposed to others. So like Tom Brady historically shreds cover two. Chris Godwin historically shreds cover two. So every single week, Tom Brady was against cover two. I played him stack with Chris Godwin and I made a ton of money and no one else looks at this. No one else. So it was just like my own secret edge. Uh, we had Wes Huber. He's no longer with the company, unfortunately, but he was doing an article on this all of last year. He was, he became like a pseudo celebrity for how often he nailed players with less than 2% ownership who were in the winning Millie maker lineup. This was a big reason why. So we're going to have this tool up for you that just automatically shows you uh, every single quarterback or every single receiver, what coverage shells they're most likely to face. And then, what that matters to their projection. So we're going to have like an expected fantasy points per drop back versus actual fantasy points per drop back. And you'll see, oh, wow, Josh Allen is, his expected is 20% higher than his actual. So this would be a great week to play him. And you could also do that for receivers. Like last year, Jerry Judy was awesome, but only awesome against cover one. And he was like insanely elite against cover one. He averaged like nine yards per route run against cover one. The next closest person was at like 4.1 and against all other coverage shells, he averaged like 1.4. And so yeah, playing 
Jerry Judy against defenses that play cover one at an inordinately high rate, just easy money. And so we're going to have that to our subscribers this year. I, I'm, I'm definitely interested in that. Um, and I would, I would even like kind of like, a, you know, my first thought was like, I'd like to look at a, a heat map of the different coverages and the different teams when they play them and what color they are against those teams. You know, some real easy chart like that, I think, would be exceptional. Well, I am very excited. Well, real about- quick, and just in case I lost you, by this is like a niche stat that like I care about, but most other people don't. Yeah, if you want to know just like uh, fantasy points per game allowed to slot wide receivers, we have that. You know, fantasy points per drop back allowed. We have so yards per route run, all the basic stats. We're gonna have that, but we also have have a lot of super technical and more advanced stats that that can give you an edge for for player props especially betting and dfs awesome well i appreciate that i think that is uh, very exciting i every once in a while an idea comes through my brain where i immediately say that is a winning thing and that is obviously a winning thing i'm glad you're not keeping it to yourself scott barrett ceo Really glad to have you on. Next week, guys, come on back. We will have Brandon Thorne of Establish the Run. We're going to be digging into looking for advantages in best ball on offense and defensive line, um, both for running and for passing. I'm looking forward to having Brandon on and kind of digging into that because that, like what Scott just mentioned, is something that not everyone looks at. So um, that's where you can, you know, you think it's a solved game sometimes, but there are still things out there. Thank you for joining us this week, and we will see you next week.